Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, science friction. Krista brings the case against her sister, Carrie. She says Carrie won't watch sci-fi because she's afraid of robots in the future, and she's missing out big time because of it. Should Carrie give sci-fi a chance? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. It's true, Jesse. In a way, the seizure was actually a good thing. Let me get in there and take this new picture and look what I found. That's your bullet. See how it's lodged there in the pie hole ring? That's where all the major pie holes converge. What's really fascinating is how it eroded this blood vessel here. In fact, it leaked. It was just the tiniest opening of the pie hole that caused your seizure. It's remarkable, really. Of course, if it happens again, we're talking major hemorrhage, death within minutes, so you better swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. Yes. You swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he refers to sci-fi as scientifiction? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess so. Very well, Judge Hodgman. Krista, Carrie, you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can either one of you name the piece of culture I was paraphrasing as I entered the courtroom? Carrie, oh, I know man. you will not be able to because you hate science fiction. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know, you're off the hook. God. And Krista, um, Krista, I suspect you will not be able to either. Well, that's, that just makes me feel bad. Um, I can take a guess. And I'll, and I'll, okay, you take a guess, but let me tell you why I'm fairly certain. A, it's incredibly esoteric, and B, <laughs> okay. and B, I have inside information. But uh, go ahead, okay. take, take, your, take your guess. Go ahead. Well... Okay, I honestly have no idea. I'm going to say the dead zone. Wrong. Even though that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. <laughs> Wrong. But I can but understand a, why. It's a good guess. I mean, yeah. it's a really solid guess. Like, if you're going to go, like, what are the sci-fi classics that you're going to go to? It's probably going to be either a quote from Terminator 2 or the dead zone. No, but the, the <laughs> dead so zone. I'm so embarrassed now. Christopher Walken plays a, a a brain dude. You know what would have probably yeah. made more like uh, he, he's a he's a he's a tel, a telepathic, right? Isn't he a clairvoyant? Yes. Right. If he touches people. If he touches people, and and there's yeah. a shooting in that one as well, so the yeah. bullet lodged in the brain makes sense. And doesn't he have an accident, and that's how he gets brain powers? I think so. I sure. honestly haven't seen the movies. Since we're I was right. About we're nine. doing a great. I'm, we're doing a great. Uh, a, a great reimagining of the Dead Zone franchise <laughs> right now. But in fact, oh, I was quoting RoboCop. No, in fact, <sighs> I was going with the the reimagining that rebooted reimagining Battlestar Galactica. Oh. And I knew you wouldn't get it because a. You mentioned you've you've been watching it but haven't finished it, and it was from one of the final episodes. And B, it's also incredibly esoteric because it was from my cameo appearance on Battlestar Galactica wow. in the episode No Exit, in which I played the brain surgeon Dr. Gerard, a role created and written for me by television <laughs> legend Jane Espenson, who, as an expert on genre of all kind, that is to say fantasy and science fiction. And it, Westerns. And West, well, well, we'll find out because she's here right now as an expert witness to, 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 to comment along with me and hear your case. Jane, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Jane, 
Espenson, of course, uh, uh, I, I would argue came to worldwide internet um, and fandom uh, uh, prominence initially as a writer on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Would that be wrong, Jane? That would, would that not be, be wrong, Your Honor. Would that, would that have exactly been your, right. your big break? Yeah, that was my big break. And then, you, and then we met, you and I met, just as you had begun writing for Battlestar Galactica, my favorite, That's right. my favorite. And then, and then you went on to to uh, to 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 run Caprica, right? Isn't that isn't yeah, that correct? I ran, I ran Caprica right into the ground. Oh, unfair! <laughs> unfair to all culture that that show is not still on. A brilliant show, and 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 worth a look see. Uh, absolutely ahead of its time, as far as I'm concerned, um, because of the singularity and, 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 and is happening next week. If we're happening, that show we're on now, it's a show about AI, that show we're on now, kaboom. That's right. You'd get it on a week before the singularity. That would be great for sweeps. And then, and then, (laughs) and then now, and you have two, you have two jobs now that I believe are ongoing. And if, and if not. If not, you'll correct me. One is that you are you are a writer and producer on the television show Once Upon a Time. That's right. That is still ongoing, correct? That is ongoing. A major hit television program. Mm-hmm. On ABC. And then, in in collaboration with uh, with a, a, another with a young man. Name, who, whose, whose name I'm remembering now is Cheeks only, but he has an actual <laughs> name, doesn't he? <laughs> Brad Bell. <laughs> right. Uh, the creator of the 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 huge hit uh, uh, web series uh, Husbands. That's right. Which which oh. can be seen where? CWseed.com. It's the CW's digital arm, uh, and that it's Brad's show that I um, am also a writer on. So it's Brad's. You call that Brad's show? It's uh, Brad and I created it together, but okay. it's it's his life, his vision, his uh, his world, and uh, I, he's very much the showrunner. Uh, but boy, I'm proud of it. And it's about it's about two two guys. It's a really funny, great show. One of the one of the best and first good web series that was ever on. And uh, I think so. Thank uh, you. I, I also had a cameo appearance in it, but I had no lines. You learned your <laughs> lesson from <laughs> allowing me to be in Battlestar Galactica. You're like, let's we can have him on, but let's make sure that he doesn't say anything. <laughs> well, we didn't have any scripted lines for you, but you ad libbed some that made the cut. So. Oh well, in, it, it was a delight, and that's a delightful show. It's about two two uh, two uh, uh, dudes who are in love and accidentally get married while they're drunk in in Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Jane, I don't know if you've read the brief that's before this court, but the case is thus. Krista is a woman uh, who has a sister named Carrie. Krista enjoys science fiction, and I, th- I think, Krista, I would, I would not be wrong in saying with a, with a bend towards uh, uh, the arc of the science fiction that you enjoy bends towards uh, television and film. Yeah, I enjoy books as well, but probably yeah. the stuff that I, you know, ingest the most is TV and film. Right. No one's going to go on a podcast and say they don't enjoy books. I get it. It's like on your (laughs) resume, you always put hobbies, reading. I get it. (laughs) And you're trying to get Carrie, your your sister, older or younger sister? Older. Older. Older sister to enjoy science fiction with you. And she, for reasons of her own, probably having something to do with the fact that she loves making her younger sister's life miserable and has done (laughs) since she was born, refuses not merely to take your recommendations for things to watch, but claims 
to hate science fiction. Is that incorrect, Carrie? Um, no, that's not incorrect. <laughs> All right, let's try to keep away from double negatives. <laughs> right, let's just, <laughs> just plain, straightforward sentences, please. You are, you are right, John Hodgman, is something that it is always acceptable to say at any party or gathering. Got it. All right. So, Krista, how, how, old, are, how old are you two? Uh, I'm 27. And, and Carrie, you're 45? <laughs> yes. Uh, that's correct. <laughs> no, you, I'm, you, I'm you are right, John Hodgman. You're 29. <laughs> okay. And, 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 and any other siblings in your family? Nope. Okay. Just and, us. And where do you, where do you live? I'm Krista? in Chicago. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Krista, you're in Chicago. Carrie, where are you? I'm in Washington, D.C., um, but we both grew up in Maryland. Okay. All right. Very good. And, and what, and, and what do you do with your life, Carrie? Um, I work for the government. All right, and an unspecified. That's why you hate science. That's why you hate science fiction because you see too much of it in real life. Perhaps. Yeah, you're working on cold storage of aliens. Yes, mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> say, say no more. You work. You work in D.C. in the Freemasonic laboratories, <laughs> where, where where George How Washington you know? is being cloned. Yeah, no, I understand. And Krista, you live in Chicago and you like science fiction, so I'm going to guess that you work part-time in a coffee shop and attend improv classes? <laughs> That's shockingly close. <laughs> um, I actually am, uh, I work at a call center and I take writing classes, but also improv. Mm-hmm. All right, I got you. And, what, and, and so you understand already what the dynamic here is. Carrie works for the United States government in an unspecified <laughs> capacity in a way that she felt very uncomfortable saying. So, Krista, what's the, what's, how long does this go back between you two? Oh, man. Uh, years, probably, since we were really little. Um, she was sort of into fantasy stuff when she was a really little kid. Um, I'd say around the time I was like nine or ten I super started getting into a lot of different sci-fi stuff, and she very much was not. And and what's what what was your favorite then? Nine and ten years old. What was your what what I what really loved what was Star the gateway Wars drug for you? Star Wars. Star Wars was probably the gateway. Also, our uncle lived with us for a while, and he would have us watch uh, Next Generation. So, even though I probably didn't understand anything that was going on, I liked that show. I liked Patrick Stewart's <laughs> voice a lot. That's probably the most perfect way to start watching Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> so, a, a weird uncle comes to live with you for a while. <laughs> I'm sure you're not the first person to tell that story. <laughs> Jane, did you write for The Next Generation? You did, didn't you? I used to pitch stories there, and uh-huh. uh, eventually one of them, I sold one story to them that never became an episode, but uh, but I did. I eventually sold them the premise that if you go too fast, you're, uh, you're in warp speed, you're tearing the time-space continuum. So it developed a whole thing that was all um, based on my idea, and so eventually in Voyager, they had to like invent a new kind of engine because of me. Oh, because oh, that's and, so cool! I was really into Voyager when I was in middle school. <laughs> there you go. If you well, dri- I set I set the speed limit. If you drive, awesome. if you drive the spaceship too fast, <laughs> mm-hmm. you you smash the universe apart. Mm-hmm. You start a new timeline, and that's how J.J. Abrams was born. <laughs> 
oh my God, I wonder if you could tie that back to me. Do you think so? I think probably. (laughs) I don't think so. But how awesome. Let me ask you this, Jane. Girls, go talk amongst yourselves for a second. (laughs) Does Star Trek The Next Generation exist in the Tommy Westfall universe? I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh boy, you're going to get a lot of emails. Oh dear. No, you're not. That's a very (laughs) esoteric thing. You know what, folks? Stick around to the verdict, and I'll explain what I was talking about if you don't know. (laughs) But there's no reason that you would necessarily know that unless you had spent as much time as me procrastinating on the internet. But you actually do things and write things. So, Yeah. All right, Krista, so your uncle got you into the next generation. That was a story that could have gone horribly wrong, but instead went horribly right. Judge Hodgman, I hate to interrupt you, but... Uh, according to my internet research, yes, Star Trek, including both the original series and the later series, all exist in the Tommy Westfall universe. Star uh-huh. Trek, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, Next Generation, and Voyager. Well, they would all ha- they, they're all part of their universe. So if any one of them has touched the Westfall universe, then of course they are. Sure. All right. Well, we'll explain that later on. Krista, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Okay, good then you're a normal person no matter what you say for the rest of this podcast, and that's good. Okay, awesome. What, uh, and now, Carrie, you never, were you, were you around when Weird Uncle came to town with his bag full of video cassettes? I was. Um, yeah, we would have Monday night Star Trek and pizza with our uncle, um, and I was involved. And I think, you know, I didn't get into the show necessarily, but I enjoyed our uncle and pizza so <laughs> i was into it you know <laughs> now but, this may yeah. be slander so i'm going to ask you to to respond to this charge your sister has written to me in this brief that her attempts to get you to watch science fiction of any kind have been rebuffed so harshly that you ultimately have simply said you dislike anything what what was the hang on? I need to find the quote here. I apologize. Anything with she also here it is. The future. Oh well, you said it for yourself. <laughs> Who is that, that speaking? Krista. Oh, that was Krista. Yeah, according to Krista, you have admitted to being so prejudiced that you hate quote the future and robots. Why do you hate robots? And as a follow up, why do you hate the future? Okay. Um... I realize that I might sound close-minded when I talk about this, but uh, or stupid. I, I fully accepted that I might be the losing one in this argument. Well, um, not to but, worry. It won't reflect badly on the United States government. Whatever you say <laughs> here, you. you're under immunity. Um, well, you know, I think the thing is, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot, and it's it's like any movie or book or anything that involves the future or robots, I just kind of instantly am turned off by. And, you know, I don't think that it's that I don't like concepts that are outside of reality. Like I definitely enjoyed Lord of the Rings and other things like that. Um, But I think it's that, you know, I I feel stressed out enough by by planet Earth and what we do here and kind of just dealing with people and I'm fascinated by people and uh so anything that kind of has to do with circumstances that like the future my future children's children children might have to deal with is just extremely stressful for me to even think about. You so, you're saying it's the, contemplating the future stresses you out. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> It's like, you know, 
some movie like I enjoy some movies that are a little bit in the future. Um, like I just read the book, The Circle, and I thought that was interesting. But it it's not so far in the future that it's like all right. You Appar- have problems appara- like apparently Dave Eggers is now buzz marketing on my podcast. How much did he pay you? <laughs> sorry. How much? I'm sorry. How much did he? Pay? He probably didn't. You know what? The thing is, he probably didn't pay you a thing. I know better than anyone. Dave Eggers <laughs> can get you to work for free. <laughs> Are you afraid of the future because looking at the future reminds you of the certainty of your own death? I don't think that's it. Um, I think it's more like, you know, if you think about daily life circumstances, there are enough stresses and interesting things going on. But say, like, we entered back into the food chain and we're suddenly like an alien can come out of nowhere and eat you. One, it's really hard for me to relate to something like that. And I... You know, two, it's just I don't want to add that to my list of things to have to, like, care about or worry about. So it's kind of I don't know if that makes sense, but. Well, you understand the alien jumping out and 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 preying on you is a metaphor, right? Like, I don't think you well, actually have to work. She's alien, so she wouldn't know. So you don't know. You don't even know what I'm talking about. No, I don't <laughs> But it is said, but 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 your your contempt for the future and robots is so strong that according to your sister Krista, you disliked the movie Wall E. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. And uh, you realize yeah. that puts you on the far fringes of society. I think so. I mean, I. It's possible that it makes you subhuman. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Maybe transhuman. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, <laughs> maybe she's the next step of human evolution. She's the yeah, ner- she's the ner- she's so post nerd that <laughs> that she hates nerd things. I'll take it. Sure. Everything everything that has happened has happened before and will happen again. <laughs> right, Jane? Absolutely. Um. Yeah, and I mean, metaphor. You're exactly right, John. That that all these things are metaphorical. So they're all things you already have to worry about. They're just actually being safely encapsulated in robot bodies on the screen. So well, they should be less worrisome. Yeah, I mean, I can understand. Actually, I can understand why you why given the fact. You know, before I put words into your emotional mind, mouth. Before I speak your emotions, you tell me your emotions. We are not telepathic. What about Wally do you dislike? And I would encourage you to describe the feeling of watching the movie. Okay. Well, first of all, the beginning was extremely stressful and sad where he's just kind of on this planet by himself. It's full of trash. He's alone. And then, like, also, he's made out of stuff, right? So he's... It's kind of like this annoying thing where I was annoyed that I was so upset in the beginning because Mm -hmm. it's like when you watch the Brave Little Toaster. At the end, you're like, why did I just cry about a toaster? I was was legitimately clearing my throat there. I have no strong feelings about the Brave Little Toaster. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, I think I'm a pretty empathetic person and and the – the beginning of it really made me feel sad, but I was frustrated that I felt sad for a robot when they're so like it just was stupid. I thought, and then and not um, even a and not and not even a robot, a moving picture of a robot. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and then the thing on the planet where like everybody's obese and on these little saucer things, I just, for some reason, it just really annoyed me. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't buy into the, like the most human aspect of the movie was Wally, but he wasn't really real. And the whole set of circumstances just seemed absurd to me. And so I felt manipulated in the beginning by all these like alone scenes. Wait, can I interject like, yeah, here for a I know, second? I, I have so much that I need to say, but go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> Wally isn't real? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> is your interjection complete, Jesse? Judge Hodgman, is that true? Is Wally not real? Wally, all right, Jesse, you're old enough to know this now. Wally is real in the same way the characters that we love the most from novels and books and TV shows and movies are real. He doesn't actually exist, but he's real in our hearts. The characters I love from books, television, and movie are literally real here in the real world. Yeah, that's because you only read books about living baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> Good point taken. I was. I, I think I got that one right too. Yeah, but the thing that I had to, the thing that I, the thing that I loved so much about what you were saying, Carrie, and I mean it, is where you when you said, and then it turns out. The most human one of them all is the robot. And it's like, yeah, that's the point of the movie. <laughs> like, that's the thing. That's the thing. That is the point of science fiction, to make you think that. Do you know what I mean? Like, to well, make, you, make you turn... Like, one of the points of science fiction, I dare say, Jane, and you can jump in if I'm wrong, is to make you look at a familiar thing in a defamiliarized way and think, oh, now I'm looking at myself in a different way. Now I'm looking at society in a different way. You know, that's the big picture of science fiction. What you said, the thing about Wally is the most human, he, the most human one of them all was the robot, is the thing the science fiction fan says in, in gasping awe and admiration. <laughs> but you said it in derision, like, you know what? Not even because it was hack, because that's kind of a hacky sort of trope. But you said, like, I can't believe you got tricked into caring about that robot. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought your problem with it was going to be the fact that it opens on a bleak future wasteland in which all, all humans except the the fat ones have died. Do you know that we've ruined the Well, I mean, I wasn't a fan of that part either, but... (laughs) I was. I was a huge fan of it. (laughs) Jane, what do you take away from Carrie's assessment of of Wally? Have you you seen the movie? Oh, yeah. I've seen it. Of course. Love it. Like, all right, thinking people. Um, I wonder that when she says, I think I'm I'm an empathetic person, I think she's a very empathetic person, and that's what's bothering her, mm-hmm. um, is that she's troubled by the amount of empathy that she's feeling. And, you know, um, if you could if you could get past the, like, if you, if you really embrace the idea that this robot has been written as a robot in order to make a point, not because the writers are missing a point about the value of humanity, but because they're making a point about the humanity as a value that should be treasured no matter where we find it, maybe that will help you get past that jump and you'll, be, you'll let yourself feel your natural empathy for the robot. Mm. Carrie, what do you like to consume, culturally speaking? 
Um, what is your favorite? Do you have you seen a, a movie besides Wally? Maybe one you like? <laughs> yes. Um, my sister is gonna probably chime in and make fun of me because no, no she's not allowed. I will have order here, Christopher. <laughs> Sorry. I was. I you interrupted me saying she's not allowed to interrupt you, Carrie. <laughs> no one, Krista. I order you to silence until I say you can speak again. Carrie, this is a safe space. What's your favorite? Okay. What's your What's your favorite movie? Uh, Showa. All right. Uh, I tried to. I jotted down a list of movies that I did enjoy. I'm not going to say this is like the full list, but I like Goodfellas. I like Amelie. I like Goodwill Hunting. I really liked Inglorious Bastards. I don't know. I like movies that are more. Are you talking about the? Driven. Are you talking about the alternate history movie Inglorious <laughs> Bastards? <laughs> yeah. I think that was the, written by Harry Turtledove, wasn't it? <laughs> the alternate timeline universe movie, Inglor- the science fiction movie Inglorious Bastards. I don't mind things about the past that kind of being altered. Take- yeah. Right. <laughs> I like Ancient Aliens. That's the thing. Is that I don't know. I mean, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> hang on. You just blew my mind. That that's pretty. That's a pretty deep cut. How do you like ancient aliens? Well, because I don't <laughs> think that any of that actually happened. So it doesn't stress me out. It's like, what are you talking funny- when you, but, but, but when you are talking about, when you say the words, I like ancient aliens, what does that mean to you? What does that signify to you? What are you referring to? I'm referring to the show. Oh, I don't know this. I, there's a show that I don't know. What's oh, that? Yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, it's on the History Channel, <laughs> and it's the it's worst. Basically, it's, it's, I think it's wait, hilarious. wait, wait a minute. Was that that was Krista? That was you talking? Yes. All right, that's fine. No, I want to have this counterbalance so people realize that we are not being paid by History Channel to talk about okay. ancient to it's, talk about ancient aliens. Awful. Jane, G, are you familiar with this show? I I know of it. And yeah, it's one of those things where the channels that have names like History, Discovery, and Learning have branched out into pseudoscientific nonsensy blathery stuff where they're where they're entertaining sort of the the chariots of the gods type um pseudoscientific Bigfoot's maybe Bigfoot's real. Maybe there are ghosts, maybe there were aliens who visited Earth in ancient times. Um But also, but I agree also pawn what, shops. Pawn shops right. <laughs> and storage containers. Um, but it sounds like she's watching it ironically. Well, let's find out. Tell me about ancient aliens. What okay. is the premise? Well, it's kind of like two the... bro- two brothers in Toronto. One is a realtor. One's a contractor. <laughs> exactly. I mean, show three people three different ancient alien tombs. No, tell me what it is. Um. <laughs> Well, it's kind of, I I definitely watch it ironically. It's kind of like if the last most recent Indiana Jones movie with the aliens at the end were turned into a historical show. Like, it's it's all about uh, different points in history and how aliens intervened, and I just think it's hilarious. Um, the most recent one I watched was about Nazi Germany and how it was all the aliens and and it's just to me, I don't buy any of it. So, so it, it, spins, it spins. It spins theories. Exactly. It's not dramatized. No. No. Mm-hmm. They have spins, experts too who are. Oh, totally that crazy. is probably the best I'm part. Sh- of I'm the sure show they do. Are the experts? <laughs> what? Is, how do I get that job? <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, Krista, now you may speak. What are the experts like on this show? Uh, well. 
one of them, which is probably my favorite from the times that I've been uh, forced to watch it, is this one guy who he kind of has the like sleepy eyes and crazy wild man hair. And uh, he just sort of rambles about aliens. He's become a meme actually online where it's just him with his crazy face and it says because aliens on it. <laughs> but it but it's not but it's not Lauren Coleman, right? My friend who runs the cryptozoology museum in Portland, Maine. <laughs> no, I don't think I so. I bet he's been on that show though, right? He's certainly been on he must be. If boy, I'll I'll tell you. If if he's not getting his due, everybody Cryptozoology Museum in Maine is a great thing. Lauren Coleman is one of the the Bigfoot experts of the world, the best most renowned uh, Fortean uh, uh, investigators of the Sasquatch phenomenon. He authored the biography on Tom Slick, Yeti Hunter, a real person. Look into it. But if you're talking, if you're, if, if, if I go back to this ancient aliens and find out you're making fun of my internet friend, Lauren Coleman, you're going to be in, in trouble, Krista. This because aliens guy is off the hook. I just Googled him. This guy is madness. This guy has like moose. It's his hair's not just unruly. It appears to have had moose applied to it to extend it outwards. Do you and think it's? Do you think looks, it's it's secretly the Yeti who's shaved his face to appear human? He looks at most like he's thirty five ish years old. I imagined a fifty seven year old when you described that. This guy looks like a guy that would be wearing a poncho like uh, the woven kind of poncho outside of a marijuana dispensary, asking people to go in there and score him some weed. <laughs> Krista, yeah. how, you've, you've watched this show because Carrie suggested it to you. Or if I'm staying at her place, she wants to watch it. She wants to watch it. How many hours yeah. would you say you've logged watching ancient aliens? I mean, Probably be not that many for ancient aliens. I've watched more of the other shows she watches that uh, are awful. <laughs> like what other shows does she watch that are that are awful? Uh, basically the entire lineup of Bravo and E. Well, look, you know what? I'm not going to let you trash all those shows. Those are hardworking people. Not all people. of them are terrible, but mm -hmm. uh, all the Real Housewives shows. But I Ancient Aliens is the only one is the only one that that verges on science fiction that she's into. I would say, yeah, yeah. And 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 how many how many hours of Ancient Aliens? Uh, uh, how many like how many episodes of Ancient Aliens have you watched at her house? Probably not that many. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm asking you for a number. For a number? Yeah, do, a, uh, do an three. estimate. Three. All right. Three. So that's about 60 minutes of Ancient Aliens. Yeah. No, they're hour-long shows. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, good. So, Jane? 42 minutes in an hour on a standard broadcast. Is <laughs> Thank you. If you wanted to do the math. And Well, I don't, so could you multiply <laughs> that by three for me, please? <laughs> about two hours. About, about roughly two hours. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Two, uh, roughly two hours. I got you. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, Krista, is your contention that Carrie is prejudiced against science fiction or just has terrible taste in general? I actually don't think she has terrible taste, which is what... It sounds like it. <laughs> she does. Well, I, I mean, I'm a strong believer in there are no guilty pleasures. Like, if you right. like something whatever Just, I, you know what she, that is that is that is emblazoned on the seal of this court yeah 
And I mean, Cinderin. I probably have some tastes that she finds questionable, but um, the good things that she likes, I also think are good. Yeah, good um, Goodfellas is a good movie. Yeah, and you know, Inglorious Bastards, I love that movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just whenever we encounter something sci-fi associated, she just really unless it's ancient aliens, completely rejects it. I mean, when I was trying to watch Lost when it was in syndication, mm-hmm. it was constant harassment for every episode when we she, lived together. Carrie, you were, har- you were harassing Krista for watching Lost? Yeah. Why? She hates time travel. That's not the only reason. So, oh I mean... Jane, Jane, you didn't write for Lost, mm-hmm. did you? I can't remember. I didn't, but my bosses who created Once Upon a Time were were very, were writers on Lost and mm-hmm. were very much involved in the crafting of that show. And what about, were they were they time travel people or not time travel people? My bosses have a very specific view of time travel that, uh, that you have to have that kind where you can't cause a new timeline where when something happens, you have to determine that it, it always happened that way. So that we have a lot of discussions about time travel in the room and how, how it would work and whether it would work and it, it's always fascinating, and I think I think Carrie would find it terrible, terribly well, boring. <laughs> she hates it when I talk about it. Carrie, are, I like uh, what, Back to the Future, but <laughs> everyone it's likes not time everyone travel. likes everyone likes Back to the Future. Yeah. Back to the Future is not time travel. No, I'm saying it's not time travel that I hate. I gotcha. Oh, okay. So, what was it that you hated about Lost? I just and I don't want to offend anyone, but I felt no, no, like no, no, no. This is a safe space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like everything about the show, and it went on for so long, I I was friends with a lot of people that were into it. I've seen a bunch of the episodes. Like, it seemed as though there was no real planned map of where the show was going. How it dare just, you? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> and it seemed like, you know, anything could happen in this lawless kind of universe that they were in. And so... It just didn't feel that creative to me. It just was like, oh, what happened now? Like a giant thing just came through and wiped everybody out. It's it just I didn't really find it very compelling. You sound like a true gr- nerd. Didn't find it grounded. It sounds like. So explain, Jane, what what uh, what what you mean by that? That that it felt untethered to her. That that there's a sense where. Um, where if you put no limits on your storytelling at all, and you can just have anything happen, you get deus ex machinas, and you get, you know, the, the twist that doesn't... And I think that's what it sounds like she's reacting to, and maybe that's her fear of all sci-fi, is that, like, well, anything's possible in a world where you can make a robot that thinks, then you could just have any sort of plot turn, and nothing's going to be what we call earned, mm-hmm. where, you know, you've laid the groundwork where the where the, cha- the, su- the twist will feel surprising and inevitable. Well, which is like, true, you, which is true you, about any story, I mean, mm-hmm. no matter what world it's set in, because yeah. true I mean, you know, the the world of Goodfellas is a is an alternate universe too. I mean, that's set mm-hmm. in a real place and purports to be a, a a real oral history of one guy's experience of of the New York City organized crime at a certain time period. But but it's made up. You know, it's fake. Right. And if you had if an angel suddenly flew into that story, it would feel totally ungrounded, unmotivated and random. And I think maybe that's why she's talking about feeling anxious. Because I may be I you, may be the only person, though, in, in the culture who believes Ray Liotta is my special angel. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Jane, uh, I interrupted you. Just that that may be why she keeps using the word anxiety or, or talking about feeling anxious, that, that you do get that feeling if you feel like the story could just randomly go anywhere. 
um, and maybe that maybe that's what's causing it is sort of that that she doesn't see if you if you aren't grasping onto the metaphor, then it'll feel like just random things are happening in science fiction. Where if you if you if you've really grasped onto what the writers are are how they are using these these formula or how they're using these things like robots, um, then it could feel random. And may I stipulate that I love. Lost and currently still love Lost. And I suspect in the future, if I were to travel forward, I would always love <laughs> Lost, even when I am a robot on a wasteland, my mind being in, in, put in there by my gay husband. <laughs> um, but what you are saying about, about Lost is certainly not unknown to the internet. I mean, even George R. R. Martin has expressed some of the concerns that you did with with the with the way that that show moved on, and that has a lot to do, in in my understanding, with just how how TV shows are made, and how and how you know you just have to keep going. Even you know one of the bold things that Lost did, um, n- not to everyone's satisfaction, but it ended. You know, and and it's it's hard to remember what a strange thing it was for a huge show to say we are going to put an end point on this so that we can tell a story. And that was a, a you know going back going back now, uh, lots of shows do those kinds of arcs and conclusions, but at the time it was it was totally revolutionary. And I think that show was revolutionary in a lot of different ways. I have a whole theory, Jane. Now, ladies, mm-hmm. you can talk amongst yourself. <laughs> to me, the thing about Lost that was so, and mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the fact that I, I thought some of the writing. Uh, almost all of the writing was amazing. Some of the some of the storylines were amazing. The characters were amazing. The actors, I loved it. The look, the feel, it was constantly challenging. Next, one season, like I liked the fact that like one season would be about this and then another season would be about time travel and it's just yeah. really hard time travel that those guys, uh, I, I don't know who your bosses are, they're both guys. Yeah, Eddie and Adam. Right, yeah. that, that, that they had special rules for it. But also mm-hmm. there always seemed to be such tension. This is one of the first big major um, uh, 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 network shows to be um, this uh, involved in nerdery of a high kind, time travel mm-hmm. and alternate mm-hmm. universes and alternate timelines and, and all of this stuff that had always been relegated to some weird uncle's bag of video cassettes previously <laughs> was, now, was now front and center mainstream hit. And of course, what made the show so enchanting uh, or or addictive, frankly, was the ambiguity about whether it was going to be science or whether it was going to be um, uh, uh, supernatural of some kind or a kind of supernatural science. And and that was a game they could only play for so long. And it felt like there was always pressure to push it into, can we just make this a soap opera? Can we make this the jockiest kind of show of all kind? <laughs> or can we make this the nerdiest? Uh, While well, others were saying, no, let's make it the nerdiest kind of show of all kind. Can we can we make this a, a world in in which we can reboot each character where there where there is no continuity issue whatsoever? We can just have the character do something that's completely new and different and forget everything we did before, like on those crazy soap operas from the eighties. Or do we have to like really double down on canon here and make sure that this that we follow through on every premise that we did? And that tension alone that was like a, to me, and it could be completely my layering on. Uh, of my own neuroses and anxieties onto this show. But feeling that tension between jock culture and nerd culture in popular entertainment was fascinating to me. Jane, do you have any comment? Yes, I do, because I think you're actually at something 
huge and amazing and interesting and transformative about this very podcast, which is that the pressure that you were, you were feeling uh, from network television to move things away from genre is exactly the thing I think that Carrie is feeling. The networks are like Carrie in that they uh, sense that or they have this fear that sci-fi is somehow going to turn into 1950s paper plate flying saucers and ray guns and everything will become ungrounded and and crazy and weird and nerdy to all that, over to the that mainstream point, network. Jane, yeah. I'm sorry to interject, but since you mm-hmm. mentioned 1950s sci-fi, would you like to hear me whistle and hum at the same time to make a UFO sound? Uh, yes. <laughs> I actually tried to do a tune there. It's not right. It's just be like... <laughs> it's really fun because when I look out the window here, I can see the sound engineer wincing and grabbing her head. Yay! <laughs> Sorry, but you were on you were on to a really great point, and and I apologize. So, so, so network executives are terrified that they have an idea that it's all going to spin off into Gord must eat humans now or whatever. Yes, but, yes. I am Flindor, son of Grindor. There's a, <laughs> this fear of of sci-fi, even though in motion pictures it's. Obviously, they are the biggest hits of every single year are sci-fi. But somehow on television, there is this fear that sci-fi is crazy, weird, random robot. And I think that may and it's interesting if we can figure out if we can cure Carrie today and then apply that cure to the networks, we could have we could institute a new golden age of television science fiction. I know, but maybe their fear is absolutely merited because there are Carries out there in the world who just don't dig it. Well, that's a good point. But again, if we cure Carrie and therefore can cure all those other people, we've still instituted, we'll still drum in a new golden age of television science fiction. What's Car- wrong with Grindor, son of Flindor? <laughs> that's fantasy. Would you rather see a different Grindor? <laughs> that's, that's not one of the Flindor Grindors? <laughs> that's fantasy. That's, that's not it science fiction. It is fantasy. Fiction. That's true. Just like um, Star Wars, not science fiction, fantasy. Happened a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It is not. I think it's a space opera. <laughs> no, it is not. It is. It is a. It is. It is. It is George Lucas's interpretation of the Lord of the Rings. But that's another story, or a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. It is not the. It is not the purpose of this court to change your taste using a taste changing implant <laughs> or post. Hypnotic suggestion, like Jane Espenson is suggesting. Mm-hmm. I will spare you that treatment, though it is available to you if you wish. The machine is ready. But I will ask just a couple of questions. Do you consider all science fiction with the same open derision that you consider alien, ancient aliens? Do you think it's for nerds? No, that, I don't think that's what it's about. It's not that I am, you know, worried if I watch science fiction that I'll be nerdy. If I was worried about what my taste would be, I wouldn't watch Real Housewives or things like that. Like, I don't take it that seriously. Um, I think part of it, aside from all of the things that bother me about plot lines, is just there's there are people out there who... The thought of being in outer space or the future, it's just the vastness of it and and the things that you don't know are not fun to think about. So I think, you know, aside from the things that we've been talking about, there 
probably are other people like me who just don't like to think about being in outer space. If I had the option, I would never go to outer space. Like, it's not something well, that I'm into. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. I'd still want to know what branch of the government you work for where you think it's actually an option for you to go to outer space. Because <laughs> <laughs> that might be for true. Record, I don't really want to go into outer space either. Just for your information, Gary, I don't know if you know that. I finally well, thought of well, being terrified. So, Krista, this is your chance to make your argument, right? Yeah. Why should Carrie change her mind about things that clearly make her anxious and uncomfortable? Because I think she's focusing on the wrong thing. In a lot of cases, or she's getting caught up in these smaller details. Maybe that's what it seems like the pieces of fiction are all about. But the pieces of sci-fi that I like the most are about the people. And I know that people-driven, character-driven stuff is what she's really into. And I think that, you know, sci-fi offers this really interesting way to sort of cast a light on human relationships and the relationships to the world around them. And I think if she were to give it a chance and maybe watch some of the things that I, I'm very familiar with her taste, grew up with her. So I know the types of things she might be into. So I think maybe if she were to watch some of the things that I pick for her, that she would then see the merit to sci-fi and possibly so what are you what are you what what are the what are your favorite things that you would that you would want to share with her you you don't consider it sci-fi but she's never seen the original star wars trilogy which i think is a good jumping off point for a lot of people for sci-fi will you hang on a second krista carrie yes you did say that you had seen some star wars I've seen the most. <laughs> I mean, she's seen the Phantom Menace. Krista, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Don't don't try to help her out of this, Carrie. There is a general Carrie, problem. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a direct question. Okay. How many Star Wars branded feature films have you seen? One. <laughs> what was the name of it? I don't remember. But um, stop dodging the question. It was it was the it was when the new ones came into theaters. It was mm-hmm. the first was one the, when they what, redid everything. What what happened in the movie? Um, honestly, we took some people. We were babysitting, and I fell asleep during it. So I didn't. I don't even remember. I know it was like a a young Luke Sky or young uh, shoot, <laughs> a young Darth Vader. Sorry. I really don't know anything about it. Your was plot, there a your... sort of floppy racist caricature in it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that part. Your I didn't de- like I, Your yeah. description of that movie is uncanny because <laughs> it is the it is the same description someone would give it if they hadn't fallen asleep in the movie. <laughs> I don't really know what happened in it. <laughs> Jane, have you seen have you seen the the I mean you must have because Damon was 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 Damon Lindelof, uh, 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 the co-creator of Lost and uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a friend of the of the show in the world. Uh, he was sending around that 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 YouTube video by that fellow. We'll put it. We got to put a link on it. I can't think of it right now. About the Red Letter Media. Yes. Was yes. that Krista Amazing. talking? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, the Mr. Plinkett review. Yeah. Could you say what that was, Krista? Uh, it's a really long review where this uh, 
team. They're called Red Letter Media, but this one character that they have breaks down everything that was wrong with every single one of the prequel movies. And uh, But specifically The Phantom Menace. Specifically The Phantom Menace, because that's probably the one that's the most uh, problematic to put it diplomatically and ba- and basic uh, and basically the, the 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 part that really struck me jane did you see this video yes and i yeah. think i know exactly what you're about to say it's about describing the characters without using what they're wearing oh yeah well i mean i i, I think maybe you've seen it more recently than i have but the, the, my memory of it is essentially yeah describe the characters and describe what happens in star wars what is now called a new hope and everyone's like well, this happens. And then in Phantom Menace, people are like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. who is this? Guy? Like, people say, you know, who is Han Solo? Mm-hmm. Right. You're brash and, and, you know, unapologetic and rebel. Lovable rogue who comes around, right. you know, who, who yeah. seems to have no principles, but comes mm-hmm. around to having mm-hmm. principles at the end. Who's Qui-Gon Jinn? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, we're not really yeah, sure. What, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah, from- I, I remember. Well, I made Carrie go see that because um, I was 12 at the time. Uh, and I remember watching it and thinking distinctly like, oh, I'm probably too young to understand the stuff that's going on. And then seeing it again later and realizing it, that it was actually supposed to be geared towards children and then just being <laughs> so disillusioned by that. But, but it yeah. is, you know, but I have children and my son, that's the one that my son has seen the most. Because really? because the child is in it, you know, that's why, <laughs> because it's him. He sees himself in it. But we're not all 12 year old boys. That was, I think, the mis the the the, the miscalculation of that film. We're, yeah. we're not we're not all Caucasian 12 year old boys who can, <laughs> who can precisely put them side, put themselves inside that precise pod racing pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, we went down that. We, I, we, went, we went down a little bit of a, a side a sideways, uh, a, a rat hole, as Merlin Mann would say. <laughs> uh, you want her to see Star Wars A New Hope. What else? Yes. I Preferably, I'd like her to watch all three, because I think she would actually like them. Um, I'd really like her to watch Firefly, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's so much about human relationships that the sci-fi element is almost secondary a lot of times. That's a Western, a Western yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Space Western. Um, I'd like her to watch selected episodes of Doctor Who. Which I know has she seen Blink? She, no, she. I think. Have you watched an entire episode, Carrie? No. Okay, I didn't think so. Um, so you know, show her Blink of the more recent seasons. I'd like her to watch the Vincent Van Gogh episode because I think that episode is beautiful. Um, the, the I don't know. There's a bunch of them that I'd like for her to see, but I'd try to pick a few, and then if she likes it, maybe start from the beginning. Of the reboot, anyway. Um, Neil Gaiman has said that if that uh, that someone who's never seen Doctor Who should watch Blink. Yeah, and I and I will say and I will say if the person gets it, then they're going to get Doctor Who, and if they don't get it, you should not you should not bother. Use Torchwood as an entryway to Doctor Who too. Oh, that's a good good suggestion, Jane. But here's the thing: this is what I want you to say, Krista, as we as we we wrap up this portion of the case. This is your chance now. You have to pick one thing, right? That you would you would order me to order her to watch that is going to not merely act as the gateway drug into whatever, but would express in a sisterly, collegial way, hopefully to her, what it is that you love about sci-fi. So what is the one thing and 
why do you love it as science fiction? I might have to go with Moon. Oh, interesting call. Yeah, because, I mean, it's Sam Rockwell, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what, What's David Bowie's son's actual name now? Duncan Jones, yep. Um, I think the direction of it is really good. I mean, I think it's definitely very, I mean, it's a sci-fi movie, very much so, but it's so much about that one person. And I think if I'm picking one thing, I mean, I'm counting out seasons of TV, but if it's one thing, then probably that movie. Wow. That's an, what do you think about that, Jane? I was so in my own head of trying to justify all the ways in which Galaxy Quest would be the perfect answer to this question. And I'm still still grappling with Carrie, have you seen Galaxy Quest? I couldn't remember. No. Oh, it might be good because 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 you'll be able to laugh along with all the things where it pokes fun at sci-fi, and then at the same time, when you realize the heart and what these people have gained from playing sci-fi characters, it may also like move in that direction too. I had actually thought that she had seen that when we were kids, but apparently she didn't have the same childhood I did. <laughs> so forgetting about how Moon will initiate Carrie into your obsession. Can you just speak personally about why you love Moon so much, that that is the one thing you would share? If you were going to be sent onto a space station with your sister and you could only take one science fiction movie (laughs) with you, that would be, not even a movie, science fiction piece of culture. What is it about Moon? That wouldn't be a great thing to watch while you're stuck on a space station, no problem. (laughs) But, uh... All right, let's say you're on an... Let's say you're, you're... Let's say you're on a uh, uh, you're on vacation in the Shire. You're in a you've got a little Airbnb of a hobbit hole in the Shire, and you've only got one one DVD with you. <laughs> okay, and I do have to say, if I'm going comedy, then definitely Galaxy Quest. But for Moon, I just found the whole premise was just so impactful to me. Just it had a heaviness to it, but it didn't feel heavy handed. This is a really like lame way to describe it, but I just kept thinking about it afterwards and the way this guy just had to deal with being in this situation that on one hand was totally not familiar because, you know, I don't want to give too much away with spoilers. But Krista, for it, Krista but I have to, I have to, all right. I know there is a big spoiler in the film. Yeah. <laughs> And so we're not going to spoil it. But I have to stop you there because what you're describing now is any movie. I know. I know. And regardless I know. Okay. of genre. Regardless of genre. Do you know? What, and I think that that is in some ways your point, right? Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. that these there are great stories that can be told in a science fiction context that are that are the same as any other as any as any movie that might be on Carrie's existing list. So you're not making the case for science fiction. I know. Well, okay. One last chance. Forget about Moon. Forget about everything okay. else. Okay. Make your make your case briefly, because I am already on my hover chair into my chambers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, on a superficial level, I do think it's cool. Uh, I think, you know, futuristic stuff is very interesting. But I definitely think that these weird situations like being stuck on a spaceship by yourself it really brings out an element in people that you wouldn't see normally but it's definitely an element that's always there 
And I think putting people into extraordinary circumstances really sort of brings out the human elements in them. Sure. And it can really create stress on relationships. Um, you know, it's like being stranded, essentially, but in a more fantastical sense. So I don't I just really like that it sort of brings out this very raw part of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I appreciate what makes me feel about humanity in a good way, like especially Doctor Who, because it makes you feel like there's so many possibilities for us as a species. And that's what I love most about that show. And mm-hmm. it gives me it does make me feel anxious about the future. It makes me feel such hope for it that we could get to this place where this random crazy alien cares so much about us. Um and just seeing us spread throughout the universe and uh, be able to overcome some basic things like in Star Trek, like uh, okay, I'm gonna, hunger I'm gonna, issues. I'm going to stop you I'm there. Right no, right. no, no. I, I got you. I, I think I'm I think I'm tuned into something now. I was going to I was seriously going to interrupt you, though, because if you're like, I really just like to see people in in awful <laughs> situations. I'm like, have you seen uh, Hardcore Pawn on the True Channel? <laughs> you know, it doesn't need to be sci-fi. But, People push the to their limits. That's the. I don't even think sci-fi is a genre. Sci-fi is a setting, and it's, it metaphor. The metaphor you lay over it determines whether it's sci-fi or not. But Battlestar Galactica could be on any in an actual aircraft carrier. Yeah. And and yeah, and you're right. You, you, it just gives you a way to put people in more stressful situations than you could in a, without the metaphor, thereby bringing forward their humanity. Yeah, the reason that Battlestar Galactica was set on a on a on a space aircraft carrier rather than an actual aircraft carrier was that a it you know it had a name recognition, so that's how you're going to sell a show. And b that was the only doing it in space was the only way you could talk about war in a real way in mm-hmm. 2003 and 2004, when we were in the middle of a huge national anxiety about what we were doing in the Middle East mm-hmm. um, and how we were responding to terrorism. The science fiction setting allowed Ron Moore and Jane and the other writers and, and David Icke to tell and explore those stories in a way that they simply would not be allowed to in a real world setting, which is another argument for science fiction that I'm glad Jane, you and I are here to make because uh, Krista just likes uh, people on moon bases. <laughs> she likes uh, Sam Rockwell and Sam Rockwell. Who and doesn't cute like doc- Sam Rockwell? <laughs> Carrie, before I, before I go into my ready room, you have beef with Doctor Who? Do I, Carrie? Yeah, yeah uh, Carrie. No, you don't like don't- Doctor Who? I don't have enough information. I haven't watched enough shows to have any beef with it. I don't. Data incomplete. Data incomplete. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But you don't have you don't have a chip on your shoulder about Doctor Who. You say you watched part of one. Did you fall asleep? I mean, Krista and I lived together before and I've seen it. I haven't sat and actively watched it. So I don't think that I, you know, I don't really have an opinion about it. And you don't, and you're okay with time travel or no? Yeah, I'm okay with it. Right, it's not like with 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 a discomfort, like a a gut level discomfort level where ten, like worst ten is Wally, like <laughs> ah, get me out of here. <laughs> and and zero and zero is the Steadicam tracking shot from Goodfellas that all humans love, <laughs> where he goes into the nightclub giving everybody hundred dollar bills. My, my aspiration for life, 
<laughs> where are you with time travel? Where is time travel on the gut level dis- discussed discussedometer? I'll put it at a four. All right. I think I've heard everything <laughs> I need to hear. I'm going to go. I'm going to go into my ready room now. I will be back in a moment with my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Carrie, how are you feeling right now? Um. All right. I. I really. This conversation made me feel a little bit differently about looking at at science fiction. So I I thought it was interesting. I hope I didn't come across as too closed minded. But in what way did it make you uh, feel differently about science fiction? Well, I hadn't thought I've always kind of viewed the premises as. So outside of reality that it was hard for me to relate to the characters, but I hadn't thought about it in a way that, you know, these premises kind of push you to think about how humans would be it just i never really thought about it that way for some reason i just kind of always felt disconnected from it but i thought that was an interesting aspect that you know made me more open-minded i guess i would say i don't know if you've ever read Bombie dick but i don't think anybody really cares that much about catching one particular whale <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> Krista, how are you feeling? Okay. Um, I feel like I kind of rambled a bit and didn't express myself that well, but... No, I think you did great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's because you're on her team, Jane. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but I, that you're, help, you're helping team up on her sister. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was mostly trying to put things into terms that I thought Carrie would get more than I thought maybe like a hard sci-fi fan. <laughs> would get um but yeah jane why do you think that people should watch galaxy quest the roughly three star mid to late 1990s no it's brilliant galaxy quest is one of the best movies ever made is is five you're listening to judge john hodgman i'm bailiff jesse thorne of course the judge john hodgman podcast always brought to you by you the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you, it's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, And we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want. And your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com 
promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. If I ever saw one. Um, it's brilliant. It's insightful in so many ways. It talks about the experience of fiction, of being a part of something, feeling like you're not a part of something, about fandom, about about sci-fi as seen from the outside and seen from the inside. And uh, it's, uh, it's a lovely, lovely motion picture and hysterically funny. People should definitely see Galaxy Quest. And it, particularly if you don't like sci-fi, I think it's a good one where it objectively holds sci-fi up at a distance and, and uh, at the same time that it, it has this great love of it. I yeah, like- it's very like irreverent about sci-fi, mm-hmm. but at the same time, yeah, cares about it deeply. Yeah. I feel a little disappointed that nobody brought up my favorite sci-fi movie. Yeah. Babe, Pig in the City. <laughs> yes, indeed. Absolutely. It's a dystopia, that's it's, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say about all this when we come back in just a minute. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. <laughs> Oh, my hover chair broke again. (laughs) (laughs) That Um, chair, that chair, it can hum and whistle at the same time. I know, I know, that has nothing to do with its operation as a hovering chair. Well, I was listening in uh, from uh, my uh, my ready room um, to say what I needed to say. And I have to correct two points right away. Galaxy Quest is a great movie. And I am offended that you would say what you said, Jesse. It was a three-star movie. I order you. I, I order, enjoyed Galaxy Quest. I, I order no you problem to, with Galaxy Quest. I, yeah, okay. I order. I order you to revisit it. There's a lot more going on there, and and an and, and a breakout performance by Justin Long, my friend. That's right. As the as the chief uh, as the chief nerd, <laughs> and it also has Sam Rockwell in it. Kristen's mm-hmm. favorite. Yep. It's a great movie. I'm not sure that I agree with Jane that that should be the one that Carrie should watch if I were to order in her favor. But before I come to that conclusion, let me correct another point that I overheard through the through the sliding door of my ready room, which was Jane saying to Krista, you did a great job. You know what, Krista, you didn't. 
<laughs> you did, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to cause them as I seize them with my hairband visor, like Geordie LaForge. I can see things that Jane can't. Okay. And what I saw was not that not that you you didn't do. It's not that you did a a, a bad job explaining the merits of science fiction, um, because you're not. Uh, a true fan or that you're not intelligent to you're both of those things clearly it's just that you're from the you're in the inside you know what i mean you're in the inside yeah. you love it to you just love it you love it in a way that's that's gut level i just dig it and I, and yeah. and I, and i don't i don't think that you have the part the part in in you necessarily or it's not developed yet the part in you that is broken the way I am broken and the way Jane <laughs> is broken and then we got to think about why things work all the time and they are able to and, and then feel compelled without being asked to articulate why a, a story works and why science fiction works and why science fiction is important and all that stuff. Because you just enjoy what you enjoy, which is, you know, part part of the of the seal of this court. Uh, you know, as I say, uh, you like people like what they like. And that is something that this court honors. So I hesitated to even hear this case because I don't like to uh, to to try to force taste onto other people. Um, uh, and, uh, but this was a good chance to talk about some science fiction that I like. And also, uh, <laughs> there have been times in this case I'll reference, uh, or there have been times in this court I'll reference uh, Gavel Banger's Ball with uh, guest uh, witness John Darnell, where I forced a man or I forced a woman to listen to heavy metal because her 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 boyfriend loved it so much. And I would say in this case, um, uh, I will. Uh, find in your favor um, and order Carrie to give some science fiction a try. Now, Carrie, you... No, sorry, I, 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 I intended to bury the lead a lot deeper than that. <laughs> <laughs> we were not going to... We, I, I, I was putting the lead at, in, in Pelucadar at the center of the earth. We would not have found that lead for another three hours. But I've already... I've tipped my hand as I think you knew that it would be tipped. But Carrie, I want to say something. I appreciate why you don't like Wally. And I appreciate why... You don't like science fiction, or at least what you think are some of the hallmarks of science fiction. And that is that you just have on a gut level hmm, an, a, a, an anxiety about them. You don't want to go into space. You might have a fantasy about going to a beautiful Middle Earth type place, or you might not. But you know when you see a, a robot scrabble, hard scrabbling across uh, uh, what once was a thriving city that makes you feel uncomfortable and, and, and unhappy. Right. Yeah, that's right. Right. And you know what? We, we don't, we don't turn on the TV or watch a movie, right. In specifically to feel unhappy. <laughs> right <laughs> now. Yeah. But the, and, and, and in the same way, I, I can't go on any of the underwater rides at Disneyland or Disney World, because robots underwater is I can't I can't handle it. Just, <laughs> just even saying robots underwater just made me feel sick to my stomach. There there is a, a basic gut reaction to certain things that you have that you kind of can't control, and and you know you you, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to uh, you know go through immersion therapy to get out of. 
uh, unless they're uh, unless it's like an OCD issue that's ke- keeping you from leaving your house. Do you know what I mean? You're, you live a, a completely functional life and a happy one uh, watching your terrible television and working for the government. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. I, I feel I feel no compulsion whatsoever to force you to in, to endure something that you just can't like. But I will say this: you're watching a lot of garbage. If, if Krista if Krista <laughs> is is reporting truly, I mean, you you like some good movies, but I noticed that all of those movies came out before the year two thousand. And and meanwhile, most of your time is you're watching Real Housewives and Ancient Aliens. <laughs> and I love those shows. I hope everyone in the world got the very deep reference I made to Property Brothers earlier in the in the in the program, which is a HGTV show starring the Property Brothers. They're Property Brothers, and the show sells itself. <laughs> and I love those shows, right? Because they um and, and I and I and I really have a, a fondness for that that kind of. You know, reality shows of that kind because they are uh, they're 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 repeatable. Every time you turn on, there's drama, right? But every time you turn on those shows, you know exactly how that's going to unfold, right? You, it's like that's why uh, uh, police procedurals uh, are so popular among such a wide group of people, particularly. Uh, 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 well, I'm not going to generalize about old people, but <laughs> there, there is some, there is something, there is something comforting uh, about seeing people's brains splattered all over the wall week over week over week, and it's not the brain splattering; it is the chaos that is then, then that is then resolved into order in exactly the same way with people that you like week over week over week. They are th- those shows, that entertainment, that culture is profoundly unchallenging, right? It is not putting you into a, it is, it is so within your comfort zone that it is, that it is like a duvet that you're surrounding yourself with. And that's great too, right? And, but between, uh, between those poles, right? And we're not even talking about genre anymore. We're just talking about culture between the poles of challenging and unchallenging, uh, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of worthwhile stuff. And the reality is, and, and I think you probably have a pretty varied cultural diet, but uh, uh, I hope you do in any case, because it's important to have a varied cultural diet, to have those things in your life that you can just veg out to uh, in the middle of the night after you've done uh, six comedy shows uh, uh, in total terror at the public theater for a week, and your and your rap party is sitting at home by yourself with a tuna fish sandwich and a martini, watching Property Brothers. The greatest <laughs> night of my life, by the way. <laughs> my favorite night of all time. I wish I could recreate it every night. <laughs> Being done that show and just watching the. But of course, the, there are times when you got to enjoy culture that that makes you. Oh, a little bit uncomfortable. I don't want to say makes you think because it's a cliche and it's particularly a cliche of science fiction, but I think that that challenges you a little bit that, 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 uh, that is, um, that, that gives you something that you don't expect and maybe, maybe makes you a little uncomfortable till you come around, um, and, 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 and to an end where you feel comfortable again. I mean, that's CSI basically, right? But with bigger themes. So um, for that reason, I feel that 
you have a prejudice against science fiction now because your sister's been pushing it on you for so long in such a completely inarticulate manner that, <laughs> that you just automatically say no. In the same way that I said, Jonathan Colton had been recommending that I read Neil Stevenson uh, novels for a decade. Uh, and the more he recommended it, the more I said, no, the more I, the more I hated <laughs> Neil Stevenson and his work because the, the recommendation often breeds contempt. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. then finally I broke down and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I really enjoy this. It's challenging to me and I love it. So first of all, you have to read uh, Reemdy by Neil Stevenson. <laughs> it's only a thousand pages long. You will love it. It is not science fiction. It's a thriller. R-E-A-M-D-E. Have you read that, Jane? No. You, have you read Neil Stevenson? I have not. I guess uh, I should. Yeah, you should read. Everyone should read Neil Stevenson. Boy, oh boy, what a dummy I was. But I'm not going to let you be a dummy anymore, Carrie. You, <laughs> okay. you made your sister watch at least two hours of Ancient Aliens and countless <laughs> hours of other stuff that she didn't want to watch. She's put in the work. You owe her one shot. One shot. Krista, it cannot, yeah. be, it cannot be Moon. Okay. I'm telling I'm totally you right now. If she can't handle, <laughs> for three reasons, if she can't handle the opening scenes of Wally, how do you think she's going to oh, respond to true. Moon? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's I'm kind of the, it's the same. It's the same movie. Oh my god, it is. It's the same movie. Oh, that's what no. you like, but that's what your sister doesn't like. Fine, I would choose an episode of Doctor Who then. All right, I'm not sure it can be. I'm not sure it can be Doctor Who. What do you think then? I guess I need help. Hang on, I had a, I had a list of yeah. No, you do need help, and luckily, you have someone here who can really help you. Okay. And it's going to be Jane Espenson is going to tell you what to watch with your sister. Okay. Well. What do you think um, about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, Galaxy Quest was my was my first thought. That's um, your first thought. Yeah. Uh, Firefly is really good because of the Western trappings. Um, I think that's a good way. I mean, I'm just listing shows I've worked on, but but so be it. Oh, um, that's right. You worked yeah. on Firefly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm embarrassed. No, it's it's a good uh, good place to start. And I would I, I love that show and and uh, and you, uh, it's definitely got all kinds of appeal. But you know the the history of that show, you know it better than most. But I mean, you know the the, the if she has problems with the way Lost got resolved, you know what I mean? Right, that it yeah. Um, well, that wasn't really the show's fault though. Yeah, and that was that on an episode. But I mean, Firefly, yeah, didn't quite get the resolution it needed. But it wasn't a show that was about one big ongoing huge story that needed resolving. So yeah, Firefly's pretty yeah. episodic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and the then epi- you have yeah. Serenity to sort of wrap it up. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one I'd point to is Battlestar, but not 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 the five hour miniseries. Come in on an episode like Thirty Three or Water, the first two episodes that mm-hmm. followed the miniseries, which are gripping war stories. Um, and again, with, with Firefly, you get the Western. With Battlestar Galactic, you get the war. You, you, you're really in a different genre. Yeah, I, lo- that's, I, think, I think those are both really great suggestions, as is Galaxy Quest. I, don't mean to, I didn't mean to disparage Galaxy Quest. You know how I feel about it. It's a nine-star movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's well, a 99-star movie. I think if Carrie can you know, not get too stressed out by Battlestar, I think that would be a good place. And especially since I haven't finished the whole thing, we could watch it together. And Doctor Who would be okay, too. I don't know why I ruled out Doctor Who. I think I just wanted to put Jane on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Jane, are you a Whovian? 
I re- the reason I suggested Torchwood is though I ended Doctor Who. Uh, uh, I have not yet encompassed the entire Who yeah. oeuvre, but I adore Torchwood. Um, What's which weird is, sort of, is I've been a Whovian my whole life, and and I've not watched Torchwood. It's like we're it's like we're on, we're like on, in parallel dimensions, Jane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Torchwood's very accessible because it's got a ton of humor. Stories hold together. It's got you know hot shenanigans. If the, and the <laughs> and uh, and and Captain Jack Harkness. Mm-hmm. Boy oh boy. Yeah. What a clever dude, John yeah. Barrowman. Um, so if there were one episode of Torchwood. Oh the uh, the Children of Earth. Uh, five episode arc um which is a little standalone show i would I think that anybody's gonna love that it's it's you know uh from the halls of the british government it, it's government stuff she'll like government stuff yeah there we go but i would yeah try the try the children of earth arc from uh from torchwood yeah. awesome all right an alternate and jane and jane i will say to you uh the empty child the doctor dances mm-hmm. two-parter of the christopher eccleston reboot is one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen on television Love yeah, it. that was Love on it every the time. List besides Blink and yeah, the Vincent Van Gogh Blink, episode. Blink, I feel, would just chase Carrie right away. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's too time traveling. Yeah, that's why I like the Empty Child and that whole arc, just because I don't know. Yeah, that's what I just said. It's so pretty. What are you? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Guys, uh, nobody asked me, but I'd recommend that you check out the Nintendo game Base Wars, which takes baseball and puts a 24th century spin on it by replacing the players with fighting robots. All right, so ordered. This is the sound of a gavel. (laughs) Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. You have two hours, two hours of science fiction in your diet um, and before you give it up forever, Carrie. Do you understand? I do. All right, very well. Thank you very much for, (laughs) for, for being a part of this court. I'm leaving so Jesse can talk to you. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Uh, Carrie, how are you feeling about this order? I'm feeling okay about it. I mean, you know, I I think I do owe it to my sister. She's great and uh, has put up with a lot of bad TV that I do like to watch. And I think, you know, if I can like a new thing, I it would be nice to do that. So I'm I'm on board. What about you, Krista? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't want to. Carrie and I have a good relationship, so I don't want to like force her to do something that's going to make her miserable. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it would be a good expansion of her horizons uh, just to introduce a new genre to her life. And so I don't have to watch Real Housewives ever again. Krista, Carrie, thanks so much for joining us on Judge John Hodgman. Thank you. Thanks. So say we all. So say we all. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. 
Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Man, Judge Hodgman, you're really getting in there on repairing that, uh, what's that called? Hover floater chair. chair. Hover chair. Oh. Floater chair is what I said. Floater chair. Come on, Jesse. <laughs> to that's, be fair, I said floato chair. It's the, di- it's the difference between a jazzy and a rascal. <laughs> or is it a rascal and a jazzy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that messed up. <laughs> well, we we recorded a super long show just now, so I don't think we need to do any docket clearing, but I do want to mention one thing. I also have to spend some time immediately looking up Livingston, the lionfish that lived in Captain Picard's ready room on Star Trek The Next Generation <laughs> <laughs> to see if he's part of the Tommy Westfall universe as well. <laughs> You know what, everyone, just go, pull over your cars, get out your smartphones, and Google Tommy Westfall Universe. And then, before you do that, call wherever you're going and tell them you are going to be five years late. Does the, does the narration provided by Star Trek's Leonard Nimoy mean that the Sega Saturn game Seaman is part of the Tommy Westfall Universe? Yes. Great. I'm going to say Great. yes. Great. Hey, you know, Jane Espenson is actually going to be joining me at this conference that MaximumFun.org is planning called Make Your Thing. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Tell me more. Yeah. It's Jane is going to be there with her husband's partner, Brad Bell. And it's basically a conference for independent creators. So, you know, whether you're a freelance writer or a graphic designer or whether you make web videos or podcasts or you aspire to do any of those things or you're a writer who publishes independently, um, we wanted to make a place for you and people like you to come together. And we have a really cool lineup of people besides Jane. There's uh, Kate Beaton, who makes the comic Harka Vagrant. Harka Vagrant. The, uh, The professional, independent professional wrestler Colt Cabana. Uh, Chris Gethard from The Chris Gethard Show. Our friend Merlin Mann is going to be there. Vernon Reed from Living Color, among other music projects. John Vanderslice. Um, we have a really cool group of folks coming to this thing, and and already a bunch of cool folks like our friend Mark Fraunfelder who are coming as attendees. And uh, we're kickstarting it. So go to makeyourthing.la, and this is the final week, so do it now, makeyourthing.la. If we meet our goal, we're going to put on this awesome conference in this awesome place in Los Angeles. And besides being financially useful, like actually practical and functional and inspirational um, to people who do this kind of work, I think it's also going to be a ton of fun. Um, so make your thing L.A. I mean, how how after listening to the great Jane Espenson, how can you not immediately sign up for that? That's fa- I, you know, she's one of my favorites. All I can think of is if you're a chump. And Brad Bell will be there as well, Cheeks himself. 
Cheeks himself is going to be there. We're going to have Jay, Jay Allison, who create, who's the uh, the boss of The Moth You don't have to tell me who Jay Allison is, man. I've been following that guy for years. Public radio legend. He's probably the greatest public radio legend. Like if you went up to if you went up to Ira Glass or Jad Abumrad or something like that and said, "Who's the greatest public radio legend?" They would say Jay Allison. He's an amazing and inspirational guy too. Yeah, he is. Can I say some things about things about things? Yeah, where are you? Are you headed out on the road or what? What's up? I am. I am now booking some dates. My, my martini and tuna fish sandwich is over. I am going back to performing this new show that I created for uh, over the past year and performed at the public theater. Uh, and uh, now I'm taking it out on the road and uh, I'm, I'm looking for where I'm going. Oh, yes. So um, I will be performing it right before Max FunCon in Los Angeles on May 29th at uh, Largo at the Coronet, the, the renowned performance space. And tickets are on sale now for that. And um, then a little earlier in the year, I'll be performing... Back at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia on May 15th, which uh, this will be my third time performing. I I will extend an invitation to Paul and Storm if they can join. They will join, I hope, because this has been so much fun year over year to go to the Birchmere. It's a great performance space and and one of my favorite places to perform. On April 1st, I'll be at the uh, University of California Santa Barbara campus in dear old Campbell Hall performing on April 1st. And I'm going backwards in time. This is like a time travel episode. On March 15th, I will not be performing I Stole Your Dad. I'll actually be in conversation with Bill Richardson, not the New Mexican politician, but rather the Canadian radio personality in Winnipeg, Manitoba, a city that I have long wanted to visit. And and, believe me, Twitter is going to explode when they hear this because the Winnipegians have been uh, so nice to me over over the years that... And uh, for more information, oh, Jesse, one last thing. Yes, sir. I just uh, I just got announced. I, I was invited to uh, Sasquatch. Oh, wow. Over the July 4th weekend. And guess where I'm going to be staying? Where? In a yurt. Holy moly. I booked a yurt at Sasquatch to perform comedy there on over oh the July 4th weekend. Oh, gosh. For more on these dates and other upcoming dates in North Carolina, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Alabama, Georgia, uh, and the meetup that's going to happen in Western Massachusetts very soon, go to johnhodgman.com or subscribe to my mailing list by going to bit.ly slash hodgmail, H-O-D-G-M-A-I-L. It's probably the best way to keep up with what cryptozoologically themed music festivals you'll be performing at. It's true. It's true. I'm, I don't think I can do Yeti this year. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah, no, it's just Uh, not going to work. Will I see you at Chupacabra? Oh, of course. And Champy up in Burlington, Vermont? Of course. (laughs) Our producer is Julia Smith. Our editor is Mark McConville. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, send it in. Go to MaximumFun.org slash JJ Ho. All the instructions are right there. It's, It's easy. MaximumFun.org slash JJ Ho. Share it with us. You might be surprised. We might put you on the air. We might. It'll be fun. Maximumfun.org slash J-J-H-O. Oh, and for and everybody who submitted a name for this case and they didn't get it on, I'm sorry. Jesse came up with the name himself. No, I didn't. I didn't come up with it. Oh. I picked it. Oh. Uh, our special thanks this week to Eli Denovitz 
and oh. Robin Fogelson. Oh, well, I apologize, Eli and Robin. I was under the impression that you had picked a Jesse, and I was steamed about it because I had come up with my own name for it, and you said no. No, I didn't like yours. Yours was the Star Wars chamber. I didn't even get that. I know someone out there does, and that person is my people. <laughs> if you got it, or if you didn't get it, like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook, and you can participate the next time we're looking for a case name. Um, and in the meantime, how about this? Review the show in iTunes. This is a great week to review the show in iTunes. Makes a big difference. Is this iTunes well, Sweeps Week? It is. It is iTunes Sweeps. That's why we had Burt Reynolds on. Oh, I was he was playing your dad, remember? Interviewing the Muppets. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. So say we all. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at areasofmyexpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.